Welcome. To Arcade Audio. Welcome to this week's episode of Married with Movies. I'm one of your hosts, Samantha Mullet. Sitting next to me on the couch is my beautiful husband and your other host, Chris Mullet. Well, at least you weren't confused about me being the beautiful host. No, husband. You're my beautiful husband. Oh, yeah. I mean, on the inside. Eh. Am I, I better, think I just say it Am for... I a better person or am I better looking? Whew. <clears throat> <clears throat> Oh, something in my throat. Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> spell over yourself like usual. I think that we talked on last week's episode about what an asshole you were. Mm-hmm. Are. So I don't know if I could say that you're a better person. That's more of a question for last week's episode. You missed your fucking chance. You should have asked that on last week's pretentious ass episode. Go fuck yourself is what I'm going to say to that. What about me? What we do here every single week is we watch... You really gotta stop hitting me. I didn't hit you. I hit the couch. You hit my hand. I hit the couch. Your hand was just in the way. We watch a random movie as I get abused. Abused. Every single week. Both mentally, emotionally, and especially physically. (sighs) Cool fake... Yawn. I almost said laugh. I'm tired, as it turns out. Man, right before we started recording this, you went and got us water from the kitchen. It blew my spot And up, then man. you were coming back in. And we have um, a dimmer for our... Um... Your dimmer. <laughs> okay, that was a great one. How long did you think that one up, bud? Uh, we have a dimmer for our dining room light. And we leave our dining room light on bright. It's very bright light. Um, so we dim it before we go to bed, just in case if we have to get out of bed and... Go get Jillian or go in the kitchen or whatever. Like, it's not completely dark. And for whatever reason, you just dimmed it right when you were coming over here for us to record. Like, like we were going to bed. I mean, we could sit here and record in the dark. I mean, if I don't have to look at you and just talk to you, it's probably better. Anyone do a podcast bat? <laughs> a bat, for those of you who don't know, is a really, really bad improv form where you turn all the lights off in a theater and you... Do improv in the total dark. And people are supposed to, like, imagine what you're doing. It's not good. So, yeah. <laughs> I we think should that, do that. that. We should be in the total dark one time but and just do a bat. Podcast but, bat. Right, but we're the an fir- audio right. medium. It doesn't make sense. For all they know, we are sitting in the dark because they can have their eyes closed while doesn't they're matter. listening to That's this. That's why it's no, so funny. It, that's every, the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Every Batman episode we ever do will be a bat. <laughs> Done. Uh, we I talk about it last. We talk about so movies. So confused about you uh, on so many levels. We're recording this on May twentieth, two thousand. Like, what's happened to you over the last few days? You, and so we're recording it one day after last week's episode. So not much else to go over and discuss. I did today finish a documentary I mentioned last week that I was watching. I watched uh, the Beastie Boys documentary on Apple TV. Now that we have Apple TV. And as I mentioned last week, it's fine. Uh, really odd format to it. So it's a documentary, but it's also a live, like show so it's the two surviving bc boys coming out on stage and basically in front of a like a live show like telling their story mm. and the screen shows like the clips and the highlights and stuff it was just weird it's different i mean it's the bc boys it's always different um and there's still some stuff i liked but was a little disappointed by it because of that um so i watched that and then also today um 
in my non-existent work day, essentially, except the last fucking hour, I was like, I don't want to, like, start anything crazy. Let me do something that I've wanted to watch for a while. Um, I'm on a documentary kick, as, as obvious, by me watching Beastie Boys and us soon watching two Escobars for the podcast. So I went to the movies on Hulu that I had saved, and I watched Gilbert, the Gilbert Godfrey documentary. <laughs> I'm a huge Gilbert Godfrey fan. For whatever god awful reason. Because <laughs> he's one of the funniest people that has ever lived. And it was great. I cannot emphasize enough how good and unexpected this documentary is, going into, like, his family and his sisters and kind of, like, who he is a lot of, like, he's never really opened himself up to who he, like, actually is and getting, like, married late in life and having kids late in life and being, like, basically the exact opposite as a person as to, like, what he is is usually. Um, there's sure. There's a lot of amazing, funny moments. If anything, watch this documentary for uh, three specific things. Number one, him getting chosen to be the entertainment at the annual St. Jude's Children's Hospital banquet. Um, which actually turns out to be just delightful. Uh, number two, uh, him performing at a comedy club and not knowing that it was like a historical reenactment festival in the same hotel. And there's just gentle, there's just people there, I, gentlemen very loosely, just in Nazi uniforms coming to see his show. Which, as if you ever looked at Gilbert Godfrey, you know he's Jewish. And three, um, the emphasis on how cheap he is and that his wife has... Uh, about five to six of those, like, underneath-the-bed tubs full of complimentary soaps, toothbrushes, <laughs> uh, deodorants. Cheap or smart? From stuff he has gotten. Cheap or smart? Uh, from hotels, and it shows him getting them from a hotel when he checks in. Hey. That, that's just three little pits. Uh, watch it. It is, it is hilarious, and it is really a well-done documentary. I like it more than the Beastie Boys documentary. Okay, good. I watched the um, Taylor Swift City of Lover concert. I uh, think that comes with Cool, we're no married with movies. We're not married with concerts, so we can move on. Okay, and I'm starting the uh, Miss Americana Taylor Swift documentary. So you can go fuck yourself, you fucktard. Um, so yeah, it's on my radar. Oh, cool. You didn't have like any analysis or anything? No, I just said, well, you poo-pooed on me watching the concert, so I decided Mm -hmm. not to discuss it, and I am just starting the other. I'm not going to say, it's a great 45-second introduction. Who watches the first 45 seconds? I was on my lunch break, and I got interrupted. I'm so sorry, I was on my lunch break, and I got interrupted, because I actually have to work, unlike some other people. In this room. Hey. Recording this Yuli podcast. fuck. <laughs> what if this whole time, 290 episodes, we sent a third person on the other couch, we just didn't let talk? We have it half the time anyway. And don't worry about it, Phil. Um, so today's episode, uh, we <gasps> discussed last week, shut up, is... Um, Why'd you have to look? Why'd you have to look? I didn't look. You're ridiculous. Uh, a, a, a break in the norm for us, and it's not going to be the norm. So today we're watching Scoob, which uh, is a new film that was it's just... a movie. A, a uh, movie that was just released, was supposed to be released in theaters, I believe, sometime next month, but instead was released early on digital platforms for rent or purchase because of the global pandemic. Um, as we discussed last week, the, the rule on the podcast forever has been um, the movies we watch, whether they be drawn randomly out of the, the, the box or nominated back and forth or part of a special series, is that we have to physically own the DVD or the Blu-ray upstairs. Um, of course, that's not possible with Scoob because it is released on digital platforms. We wanted to go see it in theaters for reasons we'll get to here in just a moment about Scooby-Doo fandom. Um, we wanted to have a movie night with Jillian, so we went ahead and bought it. Now, instead of us saying that we physically own the movie, we just have to own it by some means. That doesn't qualify movies from streaming services because we don't own those movies. We pay for their rights and their content through the streaming service. There will be a day, a time, um, where we figure out something to do with those movies. Here's Here's the main problem I'm having with it, is where do we draw the line? Because... 
on Netflix, for instance, sure, there's Netflix exclusive movies like Marriage Story and The Irishman and Spencer sure. Confidential, whatever the fuck you want to talk about. But then also on there, you just have uh, Back to the Future and B movie. Like, not every movie. Like, we have to have something limited. So, here was my idea, just spitballing and coming up with it right now. We take, I don't know, 25, 30, 50, however many cards you want to set up. And we put in the box these cards. And the cards say Netflix Samantha, Netflix Chris, uh, Hulu Samantha, Hulu, like whatever services. Mostly probably Netflix, right? Because Netflix is the only one that really has original movies at the moment. I mean, Apple TV is starting to have a couple. And if we do happen to draw those out of the box, then that person, whoever's name is on it, gets to pick the movie from the streaming service that we watch. Okay. Kind of like a wild card. Again, we have thousands of movies in this box, so the chance of them coming out is minor, but it's still something to, to throw in there. So just spitballing. You can think about it. Let me know if you want to do it or not. Okay. But just an idea. Um, until we come up with something else, potentially. Uh, furthermore, we won't be doing every movie that we purchase if it's a first-run movie on the site. We'll treat it like we normally do about a movie we go see in theaters yeah, or a movie we haven't seen before that we don't right. own. We just did this because it's the world we're living in. It's crazy. It We've never done things. it before. Yeah. It's one of those things. And as we started watching it, we had a lot of thoughts. We started taking notes like we would normally do. So we decided to do it. So um, as we don't have a box to read, I will go, it's my turn to read, so I'm going to go to Apple TV itself and go to the description of the movie and read it out loud right now. For Scoob. In Scooby-Doob's Greatest Adventure Yet, I said Scooby-Doob, but didn't I? Yep. Fuck. In Scooby-Doo's Greatest Adventure Yet, see the never-before-told story of how lifelong friends Shaggy and Scooby first met and how they joined forces with young detectives Fred, Velma, and Daphne to form the famous Mystery, Inc. Now, with hundreds of cases solved, Scooby and the gang face their biggest, toughest mystery ever. Get your finger out of my face. An evil plot to unleash the ghost dog Cerberus upon the world. Did I say it's Cerberus? As they race to stop this global dogpocalypse, the gang discovers that Scooby has a secret legacy and an epic destiny greater than anyone ever imagined. So one. I fucked up saying Scooby-Doo. Because I was thinking Scooby-Dooby. I said Scooby-Doob. How what? did you say the three-headed dog? Cerberus. Okay. Yeah. I know what I'm doing. So. Scooby-Doob. What's the score at on episode 295? I'm down by five. You're down by five. And if my math is correct... Uh, you have three of the next five boxes to read, correct? Will that make us even? Like, so I've read one more at the moment? No, now we're even. Okay. Now we're even, and I started it, so. Gotcha. So. So then I'll read. Well, actually, read. It's, all, read it's over at 300. It's over at 300. So yeah, it's fine, so it's two just each. the next four boxes. Okay. All right. Well, good luck with that. Uh,. I'm not the one who buckles under pressure. You have to read the two Escobars. <laughs> I just yeah, yo hablo that. mucho español. It's all right. You're not going to know if I pronounce it correctly. You're just so, lucky we don't have Seven Samurai in there. As a child, Scooby-Doo was like my thing. It was my I think it was all, like, our generation, I think. All... I don't know about that. I mean, there's there's plenty of people who I know who, like, well, they're don't love it. Terrible people. Um, they can also get the, the fuck out of I here. I think it's also because the time that we hit. So you figure we were kids of the late 80s, but mostly the 90s. And that's when Cartoon Network really got popular and big. So they played Scooby Doo. Scooby Doo. They played constantly. Every version's of Scooby Doo. A pup named Scooby Doo, yes. which was which was great. which was my favorite. My favorite. Jillian is currently. So the reason also Scrappy I wanted to buy this Doo. was Scooby Doo. Oh. Scooby Doo can bite it. Um, but the I own a pup Scooby named Scooby Doo. It was like my favorite show. I told the story to to Jillian and Samantha that every week we go to my grandparents' house for dinner on Tuesdays and. We would have dinner, we would play a game, and I insisted we got home in time, I think it was 7.30, 
to watch a pup named Scooby Doo on Cartoon Network because that's when like the new episodes. You're so cute. Um, I loved it, so I bought all the DVDs, and Jillian started watching them. She loves them, and we watched the movie with her as a big part of it. Um, all of them. It's just I I I, I can't explain what it is about Scooby Doo. Well, just, because it's like it's got you know animals, right? It's got Scooby, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's got mystery, mm-hmm. right? It's got fashion. It's got... I mean, look, for all intents and purposes, it was fine animation. I mean... It, it's fine yeah, animation. Pub Names Scooby Doo looks really great. Bright colors, mm-hmm. right? So you have everyone in different colors, and they're bright colors. Like, you have, like, the bright orange. You got purple. You got green, right? So you have, like, these bright colors. So it's eye-catching for a kid. You have, like, the mysteries, and you have them solving these mysteries. Nothing too scary, but you still have that element of a a ghost or a monster or Beast of Bottomless Lake. So you still have these different things that that are really engaging for kids. I think that's why I really liked all the iterations of Scooby-Doo. Yeah, let's rip the baby And my favorite thing, my favorite memory of Scooby-Doo isn't even about Scooby-Doo. I think you guys know on this podcast that... The way we met is um, we did improv and sketch comedy together, and uh, that's also how we met pretty much, like, our whole group of best friends um, and guests on the show, uh, Steve Real, used to do improv with us. That's how we met, Um, and probably... I think it's the best thing he's ever done. (laughs) I don't know that crazy, but... but In Generation 7... Yes, uh, it was a sketch written. Parroting. Uh, yeah, it was basically. It, what was it called? Was it called Mystery it, it was, Anonymous or something yeah. or something like that? Where basically it was old Scooby Doo villains at like a support group, uh, like commiserating having being tricked by the Scooby Doo gang and like what yeah. happened. Written by the the wonderful Brian Zimmerman. Wonderful Brian Zimmerman. Great guy, funny guy, the best. Great musician. Um, great. And so, like, and we used actual uh, ghosts, Villains, like the ghost like, of Benedict Arnold, old Iron Face, Mano Tiki Tia, and Steve was the Beast of Bottomless Lake. And the Beast, I, I don't know if you even, like, watched the episode back, but he came up with his voice, it was like Monster Louis Armstrong is what yeah, it was. But and in I would, this, you know, you have to... to uh, enunciate yeah, well, enunciate. you have to project. Yeah. And He's so, wearing, like, a mask. So Steve was the easiest person to give notes to. Like, Steve wouldn't get notes, because everything Steve did was pretty much flawless and great, but I was... Yeah, I think on him was like, Steve, you gotta do this, you gotta do that. Like, I'm telling you, you know, Steve was also known for not breaking right. at all. Like, Steve could be in the most ridiculous situation ever, and everyone's laughing at it, and Steve is stone-faced straight Steve, for ten minutes. He, I don't know. And Steve he, is just on, and it's amazing. Always. But his bit was talking about how he was tricked by Scooby and Shaggy uh, in the swamp, because he's the beast from Bottomless Lake, uh, masquerading... And then all of a sudden there's a... Masquerading as owners and and operators operators. of an Italian restaurant, believing it, sitting down at the table... Ordering. Like like the episodes do. That's part of the the sketch, is like 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 amping up the the Amping up the realness that happens in these episodes. And Steve has had a sign that he's like, and not once did I think, why would there be an Italian restaurant in the middle of a swamp? And the way he said it and did it was so great that he would break himself every single time, except the two times he did it on stage. It was only two times. He never fucking laughed. Uh, and it's just, it's stuck it, with us it, for it, it 10 just, years at this point. Yeah, and we talk about it, um, uh, other guests of the show, Augie Artillas was also, um... He was old it, Iron Face. He was old Iron Face. Like, yeah. we talk about this a lot. It, we bring also, it up a lot. It, it, was, um, it was also sentimental that Steve and I went to a, uh, a toy convention not too long ago. And, like, one of the first tables we found, they had Scooby-Doo toys, and they had a Beast of Bottomless Lake toy. I'm like, I don't care how much it is. How much is it? And it was, like, five bucks. I'm like, yeah, done. Get done. Here, it. see, this is for you. Yeah. It was amazing. So, so, you know, like, memories like that. So, Scooby-Doo has a lot of memories for us. So, yeah. this, when we saw the trailers. <laughs> and I was dying to tell that story. Like, that's the only, like, the reason I wanted to record. I was like, <laughs> fine. This movie is mediocre, and we're going to record yeah. just so we can tell this story this movie... and re- relive these memories that made it funny for me because I kept leaning over and saying quotes Being annoying, being that woman in a movie. Um, we were in our house. 
Didn't matter. I think Jillian told you to shush at one no, point. No, she didn't. She was eating popcorn. Well, we saw the trailer, and I was like, oh, this actually looks really sweet. Like, kind of like an origin story of how yep. Scooby and Shaggy got together, and yep. then they go on a mystery. Yep. And then, then we went to Walmart and found well, some toys. So, I think I mentioned to you as well. No. Right when You the, hadn't, because I didn't know any... I didn't know... So this I, it wasn't confirmed, but after so mm-hmm. our fantasy movie league obviously was postponed this year because what? of the pandemic. Uh, we had Scoob in, in early. We got it for super cheap, um, so I still contend we won because we had this in onward. So you know, yeah, we they, had they, onward. We had Scoob. they got released. None but, of these uh, movies got released. Uh, I was like doing like research and reconnaissance about um, like the movies that we had, <laughs> and through Reddit, somebody mentioned like. So the movie Scoob's going to be a piece of shit. And I was like, oh, no, why? What happened? And somebody on 4chan, like, it apparently, like, like got an advanced copy of it and, like, leaked the whole thing. And in the Reddit thing, there's just, like, bullet points as to what's happening, like, spoilers to it. And I was like, this looks, this sounds made up. Like, this sounds total bullshit. Yeah. And basically the bullet points were, this isn't a Scooby-Doo movie, it's a Blue Falcon movie. Yeah. Blue Falcon being a very, very tertiary character in the Hanna-Barbera universe. Um, Dick Dastardly and Muttley are involved. This is setting up a Hanna-Barbera cinematic universe. Uh, like, it's got all these really, really like, non Pixar animation tropes that you see nowadays where the music is just super pop culture and characters are doing things to kind of make them seem in and popular and the jokes kind of fall flat because it's not true to the characters the story is being told. Like, Pixar doesn't do that stuff, but Illumination does and DreamWorks does and Warner Brothers Animation obviously does. And I was like, man, I really hope not because the trailer really had, like, a good sense to it. And then everything I read... 100% happens in this movie. I was confused when we went to Walmart and we saw the toys for this movie. And all of a sudden I see, like, the packaging of, like, Scooby and Dick Dastardly. Mm -hmm. And I see the Captain Caveman. Shaggy and Captain Caveman and and Dino Mutt. Mm. And I was like, what? Like, I didn't realize that they were all in the movie. Like, that's big spoilers for the movie because nowhere in the trailer does it introduce... Any of no. those characters. The trailer basically focuses on the first, like, five, ten minutes of the movie. Right. And then the bond. end of it, you get, like, the robot aliens, and they get, like, sucked right. up. But and you it, don't really... And it kind of references that you're... If you know Blue Falcon, then it's going to be that. Right, but and then such a tertiary character... Yeah. Who's going to know? And then you have the next hour of the movie, essentially. Right, right, right. So, it was upsetting for me, obviously, that I, I was, like, excited. Like, oh, great, I love these characters i love the idea behind it yeah i, I hope the execution is is done well and unfortunately it was, it was not. not just as much as i love scooby-doo and he is my thing i have an unhealthy love and obsession with wacky races was maybe yeah. the thing if i'm trying to like think of everything animation that i watched the early 90s to like the mid 90s that oh, was man. like older so sure all the first run stuff like all the disney after Sure. Noon all stuff of Coors, the Tiny Tunes. Uh, uh, my Bobby favorite Mark, show. My favorite show is Batman the Animated Series, all, like ever. Rock is modern. But if you if you talk about the stuff Monsters. that was just airing, that was from before our time, I latched onto all the Hanna Barbera stuff, Scooby Doo mostly. But right after that, like they would always have like I don't know if it was a weekend block or maybe it was, like during the summer where like they would just show Wacky Races, uh, the Perilous uh, Adventures of Penelope Pit Stop. They would air um, Captain Caveman, which is more so like my mother's, my mother and my sister's things and stuff. But like, I love Wacky Races. I watch all of my fake Wacky Races, my Hot Wheels. Um, so like, now that it's kind of coming back a little bit, there's a new version I haven't watched. Um, they had like a comic book at one point. They had like a Game Boy game. Like I had all that. Shit. I had the Funkos now. Just something about those characters and like how unique they were were awesome. So I see Dick Dashley and Muttley, and I'm like, let's fucking do this. And then this is just... I'm not going to lie. It was not it wasn't bad. bad. It, wasn't it, had, bad. it had its moments. There were parts of it that were bad. But overall, I don't think it was bad. I think it it's was a very, It's a very meh, ultimately cute, it was fine. fine. Those are the adjectives and words you're going to use. Right. Um, so let, let's get into it a little bit. Uh, like I said, the opening was really good and sweet. Um, you basically got everything in the trailer. You get, you know, Scooby's a stray, Shaggy's a loner. They kind of happen to follow in each other's lives and save each other. And it's really sweet. 
it already sets itself up to be so blatant with never take this collar off, I promise. Like that kind of thing, which you know is going to happen later on. But it's still like they do a good job with the music and the emotion and the voice yeah. acting where it's like, oh, it's so sweet. Speaking of the voice acting, like... We're going to get also, the voice acting. I also was really excited because like if you just... Not considering that they're like voice acting. If you just read this ensemble cast, mm-hmm. so this is a fantastic ensemble cast. On paper, it's a very, really, really, really good. It's a really good cast. I have so. a lot of problems uh, as a Scooby Doo fan. Yes. With it. Yes. Now, of course, Don Mezek is past, so that that's fine. He is he is Scooby Doo, right? And every other Scooby Doo sense has not been Scooby Doo. I. I do really like what Frank Welker did, and I want to get to him when we talk about MVPs, who does the voice for Scooby, especially because he, for the longest time, I believe, was the main voice of Freddy as well, if I'm not mistaken. Frank Welker is one of the greatest voice actors of our time. But he did something where he made Scooby his own, made him more clear to understand and able to emote a little bit better, and I really like that. It's the other characters that I have a problem with. Um, Because... There are other people available that could have done those parts, that have done those parts, that they just didn't do because they were trying to get names attached to things and and, and, and make yeah. money. But the opening is sweet, and then, you know, you get the other three characters. Velma, Daphne, and Fred really get the shaft in this movie. If they, you're gonna if you're gonna order them, Shaggy and Scooby obviously get the most attention. But then think- it's Fred because they got fucking Zach Efron. And then you get Velma. Daphne's worthless. Like, you could have just not even had Daphne in this movie. Which is really unfortunate. Mm, it's, it's fine. Uh, no, it's unfortunate. Why? Because you're, you're, if you're trying to say that you're Daphne, you're not. That's, like, probably the meanest thing you've ever said to me. What, that you're not? Or I was so in, strong in saying it? Both. You were so adamant mm-hmm. about it. That's not why I said it. I said it's unfortunate because at the end of the day... The whole, in every other iteration of Scooby-Doo, the whole reason why Mystery Inc. is successful is because of Daphne and Velma. And if you don't think that that's true, you're a moron. I I didn't say that. I I agree. I agree. They are Oh, you agree. Yeah. They're integral parts of Mystery Inc. and they were given the shaft in this. Yes. And it's it's upsetting. But you get introduced to them. And then my favorite part of the movie was they did a shot-by-shot, frame-by-frame recreation of the Scooby-Doo Where Are You uh, opening with an an updated song, which, of course, they're going to because every movie... It wasn't Fall Out Boy boy doing it, like fucking Ghostbusters. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. (laughs) I was like, what, really? I don't know who's doing it. Hey, that guy a good version of DuckTales, so leave that alone. Um... But, like, literally, the monsters and even, like, Scooby-Doo and the Shush and all of it, I was like, that's really cool. That's a neat homage. This movie does a good job of having little Easter eggs thrown out. So, on top of setting the stage for a Hanna-Barbera universe with Captain Caveman and Blue Falcon and Dick Dastardly and Muttley, like, later on, they, they stumble upon, like, an arcade, and there's all these little references to, like, Frankenstein Jr. And what were some of the other ones we saw? You said there was a Hong Kong Fooey, you called him Kung Fu Dog, I think, a Hong Kong Fooey game, and then like the credits had a lot of it too, where there was like Jabberjaw and, and things like that. Yeah. So that that was really neat, but um, it, it was it was nice. Uh, one of the the, the mountain was called Mezic Mountain. Like they did little yeah, nods and homages. The 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 group that sang the song is called a uh, Best Coast. Cool. Um, so all that's well and good, and then it gets to like present day. Um, oh, I have to take that back. So the, the the opening song, like frame by frame homage, was exact, except randomly, for no reason, in the middle of it, Fred is going on a date with the Mystery Mobile. No, I think Fred was trying to fuck the Mystery Mobile. Mystery Machine, sorry. Yeah. Mean Machine. Mean Machine. For whatever reason, he had Fred wants to fuck the Mystery Machine. Unhealthy attachment to this vehicle. And they reference it several times throughout this movie. And I get it. Daphne's right there. A boy in his car, but I don't, I don't get know. It. Uh, so then, like, we're in the present day, and that's when the movie gets off the rails because this movie dates itself immediately. Like, there is a lot of pop culture. So <laughs> you're jumping all around. I am. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 
So one of my main problems with, like I talk about these animated movies, is they make these references, they date themselves, they feel stale already. Yeah, like in Shrek when they sang uh, All Star. Sure. Um, by, by hit band Smash Mouth. That's timeless, though. Uh, what I well, mean... Then your point is mute. Like, Scooby-Doo mute. shouldn't be, like, making an Ikea joke, or they shouldn't be auditioning to Simon Cowell at a diner singing Shallow. I love Shallow. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, it's one of the best songs ever. Absolutely. From one of the best movies ever. But it's just It's one of so, my favorite songs It's and so... I'd watch that movie again. <laughs> it's eye-rolling if you're an adult. And if you're a kid, odds are you don't get it, or you're just laughing because it's just characters doing something goofy. When there's an easy, there's a better way to do that for the adults. So why Pixar excels, because Pixar knows how to reach both. So what would you... I would have had Simon Cowell in the movie. I want to get there later, because he sucks. Every time he's in something that's not him judging something, he's awful in it. And he's used later on as another fucking joke. He's a red herring. He's Yeah, he's red herring later on, where, like, Dick Dastardly is revealed to be Simon Cowell, who's then revealed to just actually be Dick Dastardly. Um, so you get to hear more great Simon Cowell reading in a studio. Um, but the, the soundtrack, like, I'm, I'm just going to read you the songs that are in this movie. California Love by Tupac and Dr. Dre. Show Me the Meaning of Being Lonely by the Backstreet Boys. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Lonely by Bobby Vinton, because Shaggy has like a, a bit where he was just sending out them at Lonely songs. Uh, I'm probably skipping over ones I don't even know. All I Do is Win by DJ Khaled. Bombs Over Baghdad by Outkast. Uh, and all these other like poppy songs that just don't feel like appropriate to be in Scooby-Doo. Like, it's just the music is out of place for whatever it's trying to do. If it's trying to be modern, it, it doesn't fucking work. Um, it's not a Scooby-Doo story. It, it, There's it, no mystery. There wasn't a mystery, and it didn't... It had some things that you always look for in a Scooby-Doo mystery show, but it, it made fun of them rather than use them as plot devices, which is what the show is supposed to do, And right? Scooby-Doo has always been good about making... Like, a, like a pup named Scooby-Doo makes fun of itself really, really well. I've only but seen the live-action first movie once a long time ago. We own it. No, I, we don't. Yes, we do. No, we don't. I'm pretty sure we own... I'm pretty sure we don't. You know who wrote that movie? Scooby-Doo. James Gunn, <laughs> by the way. Live uh, version Scooby-Doo, I'm pretty sure we own I'm, it. I'm positive we do not own it. Let's go upstairs and look right now. Go and wake our daughter up. I'll talk. Exactly. You sit down. Um, I haven't moved. I'm just emphasizing you didn't move. I'm reclined. But the, like they find ways to tongue-in-cheek make fun of itself. This did it, but it did it in just such a way that it was kind of off-putting. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, because also, when those things are doing, like, when, when other Scooby-Doo property is making fun of itself... It's still following that that formulaic yeah. thing, which fine, you don't want it to be formulaic, but there's been how many iterations of Scooby Doo? It's been on the air for how long? Like it sells merchandise, sells all this stuff for how long? Why? Because it does work. Like yeah. why would you but this, try to reinvent that? Yeah, this doesn't do that. So they um so they Scooby and Shaggy are like the weak links and they're upset and they go bowling and then they get the plot to this movie. Is absurd. What? That Scooby Doo is a descend, a direct descendant from Paredes, who was Alexander the Great's dog, and so he's needed his his genetic DNA is needed to open the portal that leads to the underworld, so that way Dick Dashley can get the fortune that's hidden there, and also potentially rescue Muttley, who got trapped because he is not a direct descendant of Alexander the Great's dog. Perdita, and um, turns out there's also Severus is is guarding it and then escapes, and then Dick Dashley says, oh, fuck that plan, and flees. But Scooby-Doo, since he's a direct descendant of Pongo, who is Alexander the Great's favorite dog, um, has to then sacrifice himself to save the world. And is cognizant of that fact. And instead, Shaggy sacrifices himself 
for his dog who's been alive for 20-something years somehow, 15 years, 10 years, who knows? What's the lifespan of this mutt anyway? What kind of dog is Scooby-Doo? I don't think I've ever seen a Scooby-Doo dog in a dog show. He's a great Dane. But he's not a great Dane. Scooby-Doo is a great, yes. Great Danes don't live that long, I'm pretty sure. Alexa, Alexa, what's the life expectancy of a great Dane? On average, seven years. Also, what if their diets suck? (laughs) What if they're eating quadruple decker sandwiches? But but hey, you know, something must have worked for him because he ended up trying to sacrifice himself and then he has to read. That's also the other thing. Scooby-Doo can read perfectly. Read this inscription of this magical tomb. There was no, also... He doesn't even read it. Like, somebody else reads it and he goes, I need my friend. And like, yeah, and then, then it all gets undone and everything and, and they save the world because they were direct descendants from Alexander the fucking Great. But my thing is, like, there was a lot of magic in this. Pause. Time out. Huh? From now on, every time we have a movie that's plot is this absurd, you just have to, in one breath, do what you just did every single time because that was amazing. Also, uh, besides yeah. ghosts, what else is Scooby-Doo afraid of? Ryobates! <laughs> he uses R's instead of... Ruby Roo! Ryobates. Wilford Brimley! Wilford Brimley! You I, stopped my tirade. I tickled myself. Go Did on. Did you do that? Yeah, to say Ryobates, yeah. Ryobates. And so I was trying to do my thing. You just did Wilford Brimley! He's a friend of the show. You gotta be careful. Um, so... I'm pretty sure that the whole point of Scooby-Doo was to take these supernatural occurrences and prove that they're not supernatural. Am I right? Yes. And one Am of I my correct? one of my and problems that's what made it so good because it grounded it. Well, so it's not the first time that they've done that. So if I'm not mistaken, Daringly. I think I think it tips its toe into it in the live action movies. I know in one of the live action movies, Scrappy-Doo is the villain, which is fucking bonkers. But um. There's been other properties that have done it, specifically the 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo, which as a kid was one of my favorites. It was really odd. It was Scooby, Shaggy, in different colors, mind you, Daphne, Scrappy, and Vincent Price, like actually trying to collect the 13 most prominent ghosts or monsters or spirits in the world. But other things... Well, have not been right. legitimate. Like, the actual base, like a pup named Scooby Doo, like those. Yeah, and, and, and Scooby Doo, where are you? They right. were always However, not real. There have been plenty. Looking through, here are. There's a list here on IMDb of oh, 42 to... titles, sorted alphabetically, right? So, pup named Scooby Doo. <laughs> You're not reading them all. 88 to 91. No, no, no. Then there's like Chill Out Scooby Doo, original movie. It looks like it takes place there. Climbing up a mountain. Yeah. Okay. Like, but there's um, Night of the Living Do. Um, some of those you'd have to watch them because some of them I think they are they, legitimate I monsters. Think, some yeah. of them they are not. I think that like that, we watched right. um, the Boo Brothers. Obviously, that I was love a big the Boo part. Brothers. Yeah. Was a bit, so, so, the Reluctant Werewolf is another yeah, one where they are yeah, real. So some yes. Some of them do okay. And Ghoul School, Goblin King, that was a bad guy on. Two seasons of Riverdale ago. Um, the Legend of the Vampire, Loch Ness Monster. So, like, there are. Yeah. They do dabble in it with these spinoffs, but I think the core of Scooby-Doo is debunking it. Right. And it's funnier because you get the meddling kids stuff. You get, like, you yeah. actually follow the mystery. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the stuff that's interesting. And this doesn't have that. This is just Dick Dashley's trying to get treasure and destroy the world. Uh, the stuff with him and Muttley is actually kind of sweet. But then funny because, like, he doesn't really care about Muttley, but right. then he does. And then Muttley doesn't care about Dick Dasterly, so they're always just, you going know, at going at it. So, like, him being so sad that he's gone and then seeing the flashback that he didn't care then, but now he's lonely. It shows, like, the dichotomy between him and Muttley and Scooby and Shaggy is, is really sweet. Um, but, yeah, for the most part, the references and the jokes are just out of place and bad like Scooby's making jokes about IKEA, um, uh, Daphne's making jokes about Netflix. Uh, it's just cringe and awkward and, and rough. Yeah. Uh, so, like, as we mentioned, the movie is not really a Scooby Doo movie. Shaggy 
and Scooby are beamed up by Blue Falcon and Dino Mutt. And this name, and Dee Dee, I think was her name. This third character, who I think is an original character. I don't think she's, yeah. you know, was just, they needed a third person, I guess. And she's got way more screen time. Than, than Freddie and yeah, Daphne, and and, but I couldn't tell you anything about her. Right. I can barely remember her name. Yeah, and but she the doesn't main, even get, like, top yeah. billing at all. The main crux of it is Blue Falcon, who is not the real Blue Falcon. It's the Blue Falcon's son, Brian, who just, like, is taking over the like helm the of his dad. Up. And it's such an odd fucking choice. So, like, he gets introduced, and the intro is so mixed because... First of all, they're playing series by the Alan Parson Project, which I just get up for because that's the Michael Jordan intro song after finishing watching The Last Dance. It's just perfect. And then, like, his attitude, like, he seems to be kind of like, he's not a dick, but he's just a, a doofus, you know? And it's voiced by Mark Wahlberg, so you're equally confused. Uh, and then he's, like, dabbing. And then Dino Mutt's, like, the straight character, but it's Ken Jong that's the straight character. It just doesn't work. And it's like a C plot in the movies, like him like becoming a hero and figuring out what he can and, and can't and do and like the, the support that Dynomut gives him or he, doesn't give him. It's just a lot of it just doesn't work. And it's like if this is the baseline of what you're gonna like to like move forward to with this like universe, I'm not in for right. it. You know? And and like and like they're saving the day, they're not saving the day and yeah. And then when they do, like we mentioned, that when they do do stuff with the other three characters, it's tertiary. But then, like, Fred is another doofus. Where Fred's always been, you know, kind of smart. And he's kind of the leader. And The leader, but he's always been kind of... No, no, only in A Pup Named Scooby-Doo was he ever, like, like, kind of elevated to be a blowhard or mm-hmm. stupid. No, he was always, like, the leader. Velma is the smart one. But he's the one that's, let's split up, gang, and let's do this and let's do that. And this, he's just obsessed with his car and thinks he's hot shit. Uh, Dick Dashley calls him not a Hemsworth at one point, which is kind of funny. But, uh, and he's, like, flirting with the female cop who's Dick Dashley in disguise. And then later, like, when the car goes down, he takes the the hubcap or, like, the, the, the spare tire cover and uses it as a shield, like paints his face, and then ties the ascot he hasn't been wearing on the whole time. And he immediately gets, like, swatted out of midair. And it's like, what, what's the point of that? Like we said, Daphne doesn't get anything. Velma, because she's being portrayed by Gina Rodriguez now, now speaks Spanish fluently. But her last name is Dinkley. Dinkley. She's Velma Dinkley. Um, so I, I want to take those Spanish lessons. I guess it's trying to be meta. I don't know. They just don't do those characters justice. Of course, with Shaggy and Scooby being the main characters, they have to have some kind of disagreement and argument. So, But it's also not done very well. So, like, Scooby kind of isn't afraid of stuff anymore. He's doing his part, and Shaggy's still nervous, and that makes him feel alone. Scooby gets turned into, like, Super Scoob, and his collar has to come off, and he's fine with it, and Shaggy takes offense to that. It's really manufactured drama for the sake of just having to have your two characters argue and fight. I haven't watched every Scooby-Doo property ever, so I don't know if it's the first time they've ever really done anything like this, but it felt out of place and I yeah. didn't like it. Um, and I just did it to give, try to give you an emotional payoff later on of Shaggy sacrificing himself, which I do believe you, you did tear up at the end of this movie, which is um, Man. Man, not one of your finest moments. I know, but they just did it really well because... You know, I just think about, they just talked so much about how it was Alexander the Great and his favorite dog, Pablo, and they were just inseparable. And he did it, he he made it this way so that way the treasure would always be protected. But, you know, the fact that, that they wanted to sacrifice themselves for each other, it's like, have you ever loved somebody that much that you would sacrifice yourself for them? Yeah, Jillian. I haven't. Yeah, Jillian. Oh, yeah, Jillian. Mm-hmm. This, I movie, thought, this movie... I, I meant more of like a... Not like a... Well, a faithful blood. companion? Yeah, Rich. Uh, this movie had the balls. I immediately feel better. This, a mo- this movie had the balls to make you think that they were leaving Shaggy in hell. Man, they were going to fucking kill him <laughs> off, bro. And I was like, of course he's not. But then, like as you said earlier, it was as simple as, oh, yeah, can you just read this? That's what it means. Oh, he's back. 
I don't even remember the ending of the movie. They opened up like an actual like detective agency yeah, or something. Yeah. Shaggy, uh, they have a, a like a VW Bug or something as their car now. They got a new mystery machine. No, it is like a Tesla. Oh, great! It's like a sleek Tesla. They have like a actual, an actual agency. Yeah. Uh, Blue Blue Falcon Fury came down mm-hmm. and uh, DJed the party. Um, so stupid. And. Uh, Something we haven't discussed. That's it. Uh, so we talked about Dick Dastardly and Muttley, Blue Falcon and Dino Mutt. The those other little, those little robots are really cute. Sure. The other, uh, the other. Oh no! Said we're, MCU. Not ready, we're not ready to talk about that. Yes, yet. we are. No, we're not. I really like the little the little guy who had the the dust vac. Oh yeah. The dust vac face. I did like that as well. I like that. So like when the best part of this movie. With all of these big names, Scooby-Doo, Dick Dashley, all these big names, right? Best part of the movie is these little robots who I don't even think had names. Yeah, they're just like Dick Dashley's minions, Little minions. The best part and the best show of emotion is this little robot who's had its head ripped off. Dick Dashley rips this little robot baby's head off and and puts puts a a vacuum cleaner head on it. A dust vac head there. And it falls in love with Daphne because she is kind. Yeah, that's what kind Daphne person. had to do, yeah. Because she's kind. Kindness always wins sure, in the yeah. end. Yes, I told you, you're not like Daphne at all. Go on. You're damn straight. What? If that little vacuum thing walked in front of me, I'd laugh it and kick it. <laughs> I'm such a bad person, oh my god. Oh. I'm such a bitch. Oh my god! <laughs> Look at you, dust buster head bitch kick! You're oh terrible. God, it was so really bad. cute. That was one it of the things really I did cute. like. Really cute, and then like yeah. how that influenced the rest of the movie, yeah. and like like I said, like the movie, it was so inconsistent. It would have these little moments of stuff like that, yeah. or these random throwaway lines that were funny, but then it would just launch into like inconsequential jokes and just meaningless stuff. It just was a pain in the ass to get through. None more apparent than the other Hanna-Barbera character that gets introduced randomly. Why no, was it introduced? I'm not ready, I'm not ready to talk <laughs> about that We have to talk yet. about it. We're no. in 46 minutes. We have to talk Got about you. it. So, so they're oh, so going to... There's three skulls. There's three, like, dog skulls that Dick Dashley has to, like, collect. Yeah, because they're all descendants. From Petey Pablo. From Petey Pablo. Alexander the Great's dog rapper. <laughs> uh, and one of them, they have to go to this island... Where Captain Caveman and his like caveman people live, right? Because because these skulls have like a unique energy signature, um, and it gets Velma explained, and you don't pay any yeah, attention and to it. it. Like it's on a volcano or something, Mesic Mountain or something, Mesic Mountain, shit. and then it ends up creating this ecosystem that's like inside of this special portal you yep. need cool. to pass so, through. So, again, so they show up and they get to the Captain Caveman's neck of the woods and they have to, like, fight him to, to like... Get this, to get this To get it or protect it or do whatever. But, like, on the way there, you meet Captain Caveman and he talks and it's like, Hey, yo, I'm Captain Caveman! That's Dr. Teeth. <laughs> hey, greetings and felicitations, everybody. Dr. Teeth here from the Electric Mayhem. It's been a while. Hi, how, how have you been, Dr. Teeth? Thanks I've, so much for joining us. I've been good. Been I was good? not in the movie Scoob. You were not. How, how has this uh, coronavirus been treating you? Bad. I got it. Get out of here, social distance. <laughs> I'll be back. Oh, my God. Did, did, you just, did you just, like, kill yourself? Are you, like, dying? Man, it's been a while. It feels good to be Dr. Teeth again. <laughs> Said no one ever. I can't do a Tracy Morgan impression, obviously. <laughs> but it's just Tracy Morgan is Captain Caveman being Tracy Morgan. Yeah, like he doesn't even try to put on a voice or, or like, anything. If I remember correctly, of... Captain Caveman or something like that. But it's like, Captain Caveman. Like, it's... <laughs> Stop trying to do it. You try, you do a Tracy Morgan accent I'm in three, two, no, I'm one. Not doing it. Do it. I'm not gonna do it. Why would I do it? Yo, I'm <laughs> Tracy Morgan. Tracy Morgan. Tracy. Well, Jillian's camera just like flickered, and that was the craziest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. It was like a <laughs> fucking demon. 
okay. That's what happens when I try to do a Tracy Morgan impression is that demons... You summon the demons and ghosts into our house. <laughs> if I do one more time, <laughs> Tracy Morgan like demon. Bloody Mary. It just wasn't good. It just, I, I couldn't shake it. It just, it takes you out. It's like... I couldn't shake it. It's like, oh, cool, Captain Caveman. We both, right. like, we both lean back and we're like, is that fucking Tracy Morgan? Like, yeah, of course it's Tracy Morgan. And it's like, like why? And it was pointless. Like, it, it, like, sure, it was supposed to be, like, in the realm of them trying to get this dino skull or whatever, but... No, it was a dog skull. A dog skull. Sorry, I'm thinking of dino mutt. Dino mutt! <laughs> it's just trying to... They're just trying to throw everything in and make whatever stick. Um... So it, it wasn't good. MVP and LVP. I already discussed who I want my MVP to be. I think the MVP is Frank Walker. I think he did something unique. Waggy? I think he did, like, think of all, like, there's one main Scooby-Doo voice, and it's the best, right? Sure. But since then, there have been a lot, and they've been kind of bad. Yeah. And this one, it's it's not close to the original, but still, it's its own it's obvious that they wanted it to be a little bit more, like, clearer. And they kind of mess with the the accent still. Like, there's a part where he meets Dick Dastin. And he's like, Rick? And he's like, no, my name's Dick. This movie is just, it's just a kid's movie. one said where Dick, like, ten times in a row. Um, so they still mess with, like, the R's and stuff. But I think he had good emotion. I think he did the character justice, and he did it well. Okay. That, that, would, be, that would be mine. I mean, like I said, he's a legend doing good work. So that, that would be my personal vote for the MVP. Because besides that... I I'm not gonna fight you on it. Didn't really. Was there any other, anybody else that you liked? Their their voice acting performance. Um. I didn't. I didn't mind Amanda Seyfried. I mean, she didn't do much. She, she, was she was fine. I didn't mind Gina Rodriguez either. Except for that bit of Spanish. Velma now speaks Spanish. Well, what's what's the problem? If we could have, uh, my mother has literally asked before, why why is Thomas Jefferson black in Hamilton? It's like why not. Okay, so that's the that's the, the purpose. Point. Yeah, that's completely different, though. In in a like way, it was good. It was good. Well, yes, but also <laughs> also the one of the points that Hamilton yes. tried to make was that people of color could do anything, and <laughs> those people could be people of color. There was no rhyme or reason for this. It came out of nowhere, and her name was still Velma Dinkley. It wasn't Velma Rodriguez. And I only say that because that's the actress's name. It's Fine. not. Fair, fair, fair. I'll like, that, that's the only thing. Gotcha. Like, I don't care. Like, if... if and I know she you looked don't exactly care. the same. I'm just messing Look, but don't get me started. I We have debates... I don't want to get you every started day on your at work, work debates. No, about... No, no, no. Moving on. Gender equality and racial equality and all these different topics. And apparently... Um, Why I, it's all bad. No, I'm kidding. No, <laughs> I was not at... I, I uh, wasn't at work yesterday and... Jillian had a dentist appointment, mm-hmm. and I had some other stuff going on. Um, so I wasn't at work yesterday, so I come to work today just to be told, like, hey, it was, like, dead quiet here. Like, I didn't think I was the loud one, but apparently I'm the debater of the group. So Sure, yeah, we, of course. I bring up a conversation, or somebody mentions something, and then we just go off. And yeah, I guess... a loud mouth female Jew. It's horrible. I'm the one who kind of leads the discussions I guess around everything and so um that was in an interesting fact I learned about myself today uh you just learned that about yourself yes jeez you're behind everybody else that's ever met you uh I agree with those I that did not bother me there wasn't there wouldn't be really anybody else that Zac Efron was fine I have him on my LVP list he was but I don't think he like some of the time I couldn't Tell it was that guy from, but some of the time, and I'm not going to fault him for this. He's ultimately they not my LVP. Pandered so. him being Zach Efron. Yes, exactly. And you, he did some like you could just tell him like the way that they um, animated Fred. Yeah, they gave or him. They like, did him like they gave him Efronisms and yeah. stuff like that. I'm not going to fault him for that. I think that they did that because he was the voice. And of it. And that's ultimately why I'm not going to push was, the issue right, on if it. He wasn't going to be the voice of it. I think that the character would have been done a little differently. Yeah. Like, the first half so of the movie, he really... just sounds bored and, like, collecting a check. But that's the how second Zach half, he gets, like, dialed up, and it's like, what is happening with Zac Efron? Yeah. But I, I, I agree. I... He wouldn't be le- the, the LVP. Um, I didn't like Will Forte as Shaggy. I think it is blasphemy that, that you have Matthew Lillard alive, mm-hmm. who has been Shaggy for 20 years, and is not a nobody, 
Not like, nobody, and not a bad Shaggy. He's great. His voice if is I can't get, perfect. If I can't get Casey Kasem, I, if I can't get Casey Kasem as Shaggy, then give me Matthew Lillard. Yeah. He, he's the best part of the live action movie, and he's been Shaggy in all these movies you're talking about. Scooby-Doo meets the fucking, the jerk Go-Go's. <laughs> yeah, Scooby-Doo and the Jerk-Off Club. Reggie, I got rum on me. <laughs> um, I like how we set each other up. It's tee it up, you hit it. Yeah, it's great. it's really shitty, but I like Will Forte. That's I, as far I, as I, I go Will with Will Forte. And Will Forte does great work in 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 a lot of things that that he does. Like he's got a great voice, recognizable voice. And I think he would be a good checky. Just something about it was just there was just a disconnect. Again, not my LVP though. My three LVP nominees, Mark Wahlberg, just because he can't decide if he's being Mark Wahlberg at points, and it's just, hearing him as that character takes me out of the movie a lot. Uh, just as taking me out of the movie a lot, voice to a character, uh, well, we already talked about Tracy Morgan, but I'm not going to make Tracy Morgan the LVP of this. Why? Is he yours? I just thought it... That's more so a studio decision. Like, they brought in Tracy Morgan to be Tracy Morgan as Captain Caveman. I think he nailed it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm not going to bemoan him for doing the job. Now, and, they... and you can't bring in somebody like Tracy Morgan who hasn't proven that they have any range of characters or any, any emotion other than, like, sure. semi-angry black man all the time. Like, if you could tell... Like, if you could tell... That they were trying to do Captain Caveman as like a Neanderthal caveman, and he's still I'm Tracy Morgan. Then of course he's LVP. But it seems like they, they got the intended effect they wanted, so I'm not gonna put Tracy Morgan on the hook for that. I, yeah. Whereas Mark Wahlberg is essentially like the star almost of the movie. He's the biggest name in the movie. He's a fucking one of the biggest stars in the world, and he's doing this, and it's like, eh, not really great. I mean, Jason Isaacs is pretty good. I like Jason Isaacs pretty as well. Good. Oh, fuck. I totally forgot about him. As a, he was a really good Dick Dastardly. He, he was a great Dick Dastardly. I, I think the character performance I enjoyed the most was Dick Dastardly in this. Just the background that we got. Why did you say something earlier? Well, because you were just on a roll well, about I just totally, Frank Welker. I totally forgot about him. But then I wouldn't say he's the MVP. If you forgot it, about his true. performance, then it's it wouldn't be the MVP. I think he did a great job. I think that... There was a lot... I, I mean, I love Jason Isaacs and everything that I've seen him do, so... Yeah, Frank Welker's been the voice of Freddy since 1969. Um, so it's good that he got to do something else in this. Uh, Dick Dashley's voice, was that Don Mezick as well? No, it was uh, Paul Winchell, who I don't know if I... Who else did he do voice of? I feel like he did a bunch of voices. Oh, he's a famous, like, puppeteer and stuff. But, um... Yeah, uh, it, it, I know... And then also remember, like, there was the flashback to when the kids were little. Mm-hmm. Right? And so there were different voice actors for that, obviously. There were children there's, actors. There's so many underutilized... I like the, the kid Shaggy and the kid... Well, it was just a kid Scooby. I hated Scooby. the kid Freddy. <laughs> Ask me why. Why? Oh, it was that, that weird kid. creepy-ass fucking Chris kid Cagnon, from Looper. Yeah. Um, creepy-ass fucking kid from Looper. Our first LVP on this show. Yeah. There's... And... Look at him. Look at his little creepy ass little fucking face. Oh, it's still so creepy. There's a bunch of like underutilized people. So Henry Welk. Christina Hendricks was the cop. Uh, Henry Winkler was the Keith guy that Blue Falcon keeps complaining to. Um, So my three, like I said, uh, I said Mark Wahlberg. Ken Zhuang is Dynamut. That's just a total waste. Because if you're going to get Ken Zhuang... Let him do Ken Jeong things right. within reason, because Ken Jeong has ruined plenty of movies. Ken Jeong's also been very funny in plenty of movies, but there he was just so, so monotone and flatlined as Dynamite. That's a great character. It is. It reminded me of like him when he was in Knocked, Knocked Up. Up. Yeah, is 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 what it was, and I think we talked about his performance like. Like you brought in this name. Well, no, because he wasn't a name then. No, like Ken, no, that was Ken Jong's like first movie. I know, but when we watched it now, it's like, well, look at what he could do. Sure, but that, but he still was very funny in that, very understated in a different way. Right. Um, but he, also didn't he was still bring doing the doctor thing. Same. Yeah. So he'd be my second one. Okay. My third would be Simon Cowell. 
He's that bad. He was in, really bad. He's that bad in two I scenes. didn't realize it was Simon Cowell. Like, also, the I way saw, they animated it, they animated him somehow with more Botox. Yeah, like, I didn't realize it was it's Simon alarming. Cowell actually did it. Oh, you I can tell. I thought it was somebody else being Simon Cowell no, it's Simon terribly. Cowell. And it's I thought, Simon that Cowell. sucks. But it's Simon Cowell, so I think that's worse. Yeah, so you know what if I mean? Mark Wahlberg and Ken Zhuang are struggling to be uh, Blue Falcon and Dynamut, it's their first time doing it. Simon Cowell, last I checked, has been Simon Cowell his entire life. Uh, especially as the noted uh, music critic for, what, 20 years now at this point? At least in, in media? Yeah? Yeah. So can I make it Simon Cowell? Yes. Thank God. It's the first one I wrote down after the first scene, and I was like, get him off of my screen. And it's just, like I said, like that's a stale, that was a stale joke in Scary Movie 3. In yeah. 2003. Yeah. I'm not saying Simon Cowell isn't famous anymore. It's just, that joke's been made. Move on. Right, right. Don't revisit. Yeah. Um, all right, so Frank Walker, the MVP of Scoob. Simon Cowell, the LVP of Scoob. You can just hear from that right there. This movie is bonkers. Uh, there's two things I wanted to tackle real quick. Um... Number one, what is your favorite iteration of Scooby-Doo? Or what is your favorite, like, tertiary Scooby-Doo thing? The, I have a specific reason why I asked that, because I have one. The, uh, my favorite thing that was ever, like, poking fun at Scooby-Doo, or, like, was well tongue-in-cheek, was the Johnny Bravo Scooby-Doo episode. Did you ever see that? I don't think so. I didn't watch a lot of Johnny Bravo. Uh, Johnny Bravo was the shit. I, uh, my two of my best purchases lately was I got some Funko exclusive uh, Dexter's Lab and Johnny. I love Dexter's Lab. But... Bro, Johnny Bravo was like my favorite character, and they did an episode where he like bumps into like the mystery team, and they like solve a mystery. And so I think he was trying to see like his grandma or his aunt, and mm-hmm. she ends up being the bad guy. She doesn't want to see him, and it was a great job of like poking fun of like the tropes. Like, they split the team up, and Daphne, like, separates her and Freddy. goes, Daphne? Kind of gives her, like, the eyes. She goes, oh, yeah, sorry. Like, it does a really good job. I'll try to find on YouTube after we're done recording to watch real quick. So that, that's mine. Do you have anything like that? or? Yeah, in about 2008, I want to say, um, I, I participated in the sketch show that uh-huh. did the Scooby-Doo sketch. Cool. So um, what we also found, so there's, there's, as you said, 42 Scooby-Doo movies Oh, that was just all that. There's list. been all these reboots and like all these new shows. Uh, I think my like besides Pup Named Scooby Doo in the original series, my favorite things were the Scooby Doo movies back in the '70s, where they brought in like uh, Mama Cass and Batman and Robin and the Harlem Globetrotters. I have most of them upstairs. Yeah, I'm gonna watch a jillion at some WWE. point. Not those. Not the modern ones. Because now they do like Kiss and the WWE and whatever. But they just started last year. In uh, June, Scooby-Doo and Guess Who. They did new Scooby-Doo, like, movies. And it's a series. Yeah. But they're only, they're, like, episodes. They're, like, like regular 22 minutes or whatever. And they're on, they're nowhere free yet. But I want to see these so bad because of who they have. We have to, like, still pay for Boomerang. The first episode for free, Revenge of the Swamp Monster, with special guest Chris Paul. Here's all the special guests from season one. Uh, Chris Paul, Abraham Lincoln, it was really tough to get him in the studio for that, Wanda Sykes, Sherlock Holmes, Ricky Gervais, Wonder Woman, Penn and Teller, Urkel, Jaleel White being Urkel, as far as I know, the first time in 15, 20 years, Weird Al, Sia, Keenan Thompson, and then a Batman episode with Kevin Conroy as Batman and Mark Hamill as the Joker. That's crazy. And then there's going to be a second season. Uh, episode titles have already been revealed by Amazon. The second season has uh, Whoopi Goldberg, Mark Hamill again, uh, The Flash, George Takei, Halsey, Steve Buscemi. I cannot tell you how excited I am to see Scooby-Doo animated Steve Buscemi. It's going to be tea. They're not going to be able to take the mask off. Uh, Jeff Dunham and Darcy Lynn from America's Got Talent. Maddie Ziegler, who I still don't know who that is. Dance Moms. Uh, Jeff Foxworthy. Malcolm McDowell. I can't wait for all the Clockwork Orange references nobody will get. Uh, The Hex Girls. Christian Slater. And then Neil deGrasse Tyson with Bill Nye. I'm all in for all that. Give it it all to me. Speaking of giving it all to me, Samantha, give me your score for Scoob. I mean, it was fine. 
It's going to be a mediocre score for a mediocre movie. It's going to, I'm just going to give it a five. Give it a five. I, it was fine. I've debated my score a lot. And I'm right in line with you. I'm ultimately going to give it just a tick above for the nostalgia of it all and for the stuff that did work and for... The, I'm giving it a half-point bump because of... Oh, wow. I can't believe you scored it higher than the me. sentimental I value. think I, I enjoyed it overall. I think I enjoyed it more. Um, I enjoyed watching Ojillian. Um, it oh, meant a lot to me and she sitting was here. laughing. She was laughing at things. She's like, she's been laughing watching a pup named Scooby-Doo. She dug it. And ultimately, that's the purpose of the movie. Are you going to start crying? No. The purpose of the movie is not for us. The purpose of the movie is for her. Are there other 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 movies that are managed to entertain adults better? Sure. But it entertained her, and it ultimately didn't offend me, and it wasn't bad, so I'm going to give it the five and a half. So a 5.25 for Scoob, I think, is very appropriate. I think, and I think it's basically exactly where it is on Rotten Tomatoes. I think it's at 53% on Rotten okay, Tomatoes. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, all things considered, what all it does, I think that's fair. Um, it does a really good job with the emotions behind the Shaggy and Scooby stuff, and... There's some funny bits. So, uh, nothing to draw, nothing to nominate because this was a special. Uh, we have the next. We have all our episodes till episode 300 locked in. Nothing's gonna change here. Next week, finally, Doctor Sleep. Cannot wait to rewatch that and for you to have to watch it. Uh, after that, the 2019 live action Aladdin. After that, as we drew last week, the two Escobars, a 30 for 30 documentary. After that. Uh, what follows Doctor Sleep in our Wrap It Up series? Ocean's Eight. Oh yes. Yeah, back to movies I don't want to watch for that. And then uh, episode 300, City of God. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Married with Movies. We encourage you, as always, go to arcadeaudio.net for this podcast and the others in our network of shows. Rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Hit us up, marriedwithmovies at gmail.com, at marriedwmovies on Twitter, facebook.com slash marriedwithmovies. Support the podcast by going to patreon.com slash arcadeaudio for bonus content, all kinds of other fun extras over there. Uh, the summer's coming up, so we're not going to have anything to watch. So Stacked will be coming. I forgot it. that we still had to do that. So did I until I, I completely looked. completely forgot. I put the Pup Named Scooby-Doo DVD like, away, which is just like down a level on our entertainment center. And I put it on top of Stacked. I'm like, oh, yeah, shit. We still have to watch a whole season of that. Oh, wow. Great. So. Fuck. Yeah. For Mullet. This is Mullet. Signing out for this week's episode of Married with Movies. We'll catch you next time on our couch. Slash the movies. I want to watch Wrecked. That still works. <laughs> you could call, you could call on me. You could fall, you could fall on me. And if you want to, tell me what you're going to do. You could put it all, put it all on me. Speeding, 90 and a 65. Grab the keys and didn't tell them why. Just hit the road. When you need and getting in my way I'm flying down the interstate Just know, just know Thank you for playing Arcade Audio Play more at arcadeaudio.net